and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident in your 30s. And I'm really happy and excited to invite back onto this week's guest podcast, a superstar guest who I recorded with not very long ago, actually earlier this year. And it has been one of Turning 30's highest ever downloaded episodes of the year and the highest downloaded episode on the topic of love and dating. And that is Caitlin, the compatibility coach. She is a love and dating coach working primarily with women to ditch those toxic relationship patterns and dating emotionally unavailable partners and to manifest love. And for those of you who haven't listened to our first ever episode together, we did a great Q&A where we collected questions from both of our audiences and we spoke all about how to thrive in love and dating. So we spoke about things as if there even is such thing as manifesting love, if both of us believe that, if it's been true for us, and if you can manifest, then, then how do we do it? how you can stay hopeful when it feels like everything and everyone is working against you and you've been single and in the dating world for years, how to meet people outside of the dating apps, which is a really interesting conversation, and how to get back into dating when you've been out of the game for so long and it just feels terrifying. So that's the first conversation that we had back a few months ago. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet then I recommend after you finish this one that you go back and listen to it because if you are interested in love and dating and you're single and you really want to know more about this then there are some real gems some pearls of wisdom in that episode but I decided that after the first episode was so successful and so many of you loved it and I received a lot of messages from you actually talking about some of the topics that we spoke about and asking for more guidance I decided to invite Caitlin back on to address even deeper some of the topics that we spoke about and also to talk about things that I don't think we hear enough about online in the dating space and that specifically is the harder side of dating, the reality of dating. We're going to be diving into all the things that hold us back in dating and we're not sugarcoating it. And actually in this upcoming episode with Caitlin, I'm not going to interview her. It's not like I have a guest sometimes and I sit and I ask them a series of questions. It's not like that at all. It's really a girl chat. We're going to be having some real talk. As always, I'm going to share some of my own personal experiences of dating. It's not been that long since I was a serial data and really manifesting love and also of course both of us will be sharing stories of our clients even though we're two life coaches talking about a specific topic it's going to be less on the advice side and more providing an opinion and a safe space to air our views all about finding love in your 30s so I hope when you listen to this it will make you feel less alone if you're single it will just provide a different opinion for you maybe it's going to challenge you maybe it's just going to confirm what you already believe and as always we would really love to hear your thoughts on what we're sharing even if those thoughts are different to the opinions and the advice that we're sharing 
And I just want to take a minute to remind you that if you like the Turning 30 podcast and the topics that we're talking about here, please share it with your friends or those who you think will take value from it. And also don't forget to rate the podcast. The podcast is in a really exciting phase and I can tell you that the amount of listeners from the past month of June tripled compared to all the previous months. So we really want to continue this uh, upward swing and for example I can see those of you listening on Spotify I've currently got 70 ratings 75 star ratings which is really fun that there's 70 people out there who took the time to rate it but considering that each episode is listened to over a thousand times it means that there's probably around 900 of you that aren't rating it so I will be really grateful if you could just take a moment open your app whichever podcast platform you're listening on and press the five stars button or however many stars that you feel it's worthy of. Before we dive into the episode and Caitlin and I begin our discussion, I just wanted to take a minute or two to talk about the Align Retreat. Now this is the first ever Turning 30 coaching retreat that is taking place next month. Wow, feels really weird to say that it's next month. And spaces are filling up fast. I actually did an Instagram poll, I think it was last week, and so many of you, I'm talking like 80% of you voted that you've never even been on a retreat before, which was like, wow, it makes sense because I think that retreats, especially over the past few years with COVID, have not been so popular and it's not necessarily something that's always top of our list but I wanted to share my personal experience of going on a retreat and what it feels like because I remember before I went on my first ever retreat a couple of years ago it felt really strange to think of booking it and doing something selfish and I remember when I was signing up to it and I was reading through all the information and I was deciding you know which room to go in and if I could go and the transport and everything and I remember thinking oh it feels really weird because you know I've obviously invested so much in coaching and mentors and guidance and courses and therapy over the years but whenever I think of traveling and going away it always feels like something that you know I would go on holiday with a few good books even though I've done this solo a few times but I hadn't ever really thought about what it would be like to go on a planned trip it felt quite unfamiliar and I just loved all of the way that the retreat was set up where it was I looked like the vibe of the retreat facilitator and what she was bringing it was specifically a yoga retreat and I was really looking to deepen my yoga practice and I just thought you know what what's the worst that happens I'm gonna go on a great time away and I pulled the trigger and decided to go wow it was such an incredible five days and the only way I can really explain it is that when you go on a retreat you just pour totally into your own cup and it was one of those situations that I didn't realize until after I'd been just how much I needed to pour into my own cup, just how much I'd been on this hamster wheel of life going round. At the time, I think I was dating a lot and I was obviously in my business and spending a lot of time showing up for others and supporting my friends and being a dog mum and you know running my house and doing all of the things. And you go on this retreat and it's like you truly come back to yourself. Like it felt like such a powerful experience to just have five whole days dedicated to just you and 
I remember at the time I was a bit stuck and facing some decisions in my love life and also in my business and just being there, being outside, away from distractions, even away from being on my phone every minute of the day really helped me to gain a lot of clarity to the point where I remember coming back on the plane and being like, okay, this is what's happening now. Five days ago, I was confused and now I really know and understand. And I want to even make clear that this wasn't even a coaching retreat. We did have some really empowering conversations and there were some more deeper cerebral aspects to it. But the Align retreat, that's the retreat, the Turning 30 retreat, is specifically set up to help you get clarity, to help you come back into alignment and to address those parts of your life that maybe you're feeling a little bit uncertain about. So there's just absolutely no way that you're not going to come back feeling clearer, feeling refreshed, feeling calmer, probably having had some light bulb moments. And one thing that we're doing on the last day of the retreat in the final workshop is helping you to get into a really clear action plan of what to do when you go back into real life, how to integrate the learnings from the retreat. And Yelena, who is the retreat co-host, who many of you already know from the podcast, is an expert in somatic healing so we're going to be doing breath work and a cacao ceremony and she's been a retreat leader for many years now and it's really really powerful being in her retreats I've done workshops with her when I was visiting her in Mexico as she was the workshop leader and I can tell you that we're all in for a treat and if anything what you're going to come back with is a group of new connections and dare I say friends other women who are also investing in their self-development and who are like-minded, women who are in their 30s, who are looking to expand their friendship circle and also meet others and who want to do deep work on themselves in the same way that you do if you're going to come to the retreat. So if they are things that you want to focus on right now, then please go and check the retreat details and really don't hesitate because every day we're getting more signups there are only two spots left in the cheapest accommodation option and as of yesterday one of the cottages just sold out so definitely make sure to go and check the retreat information page and reserve your spot before it's too late and I'm literally counting down the weeks till I'm getting on the plane to the UK and getting to meet some of you there I absolutely can't wait So in the meantime, let's dive into this topic of dating with my good friend, the compatibility coach. Hi, Caitlin, and welcome back. Second time round in the same six months, was it that we recorded the last one? Yeah, welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast. Thank you. I had so much amazing feedback from our previous episode. So I'm thrilled to be back. And yeah, I actually remember when we recorded it, to be honest. Yeah, it feels like quite a recent episode, but I don't know. We we do so many collaborations that I actually can't, <laughs> can't keep track of where we, where we actually meet. But yeah, I also had so much amazing feedback from this episode. So if you're tuning in and it's the first time you're hearing Caitlin and I talk, then after this, I recommend going back to listen to our most recent episode where we did a Q&A all about dating questions that our communities had asked us and we dove into some really interesting topics and because it went down so well and we received so much positive feedback I invited Caitlin back on to talk more specifically and to tune in and focus on 
the realities of dating. And we just decided together that we're going to have a real talk about it. It's going to be kind of a girl talk. We don't actually have our glasses of wine in front of us, but let's imagine that we did. I have my water. And we're going to, if at some points, have some reflections from our coaching experience, then we'll say them. But the point of the conversation is just to really, I guess, to validate everybody who's here and who is feeling sick and tired and fed up of dating and looking and waiting for love in their 30s. Sounds good? Sounds great. Yeah, we're not going to give you a load of just be positive about it. Just change your mindset about it, which is so easy to slip into. But yeah, as Emma said, we're fully aware of the realities of dating. So let's just dissect actually what is going on in the current dating market. And if we can give you some helpful pointers along the way, all the better. I also just want to say I'm not actually naked in this video. I do have a top on. <laughs> I love that. Maybe I know I actually have a higher neckline, but I've been known to be wearing a, what do you call it? A tube top. That's the American thing. A boob tube. That's British. Yeah. A boob tube. And people, my clients are like, are you actually coming to the session naked on Zoom? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> so thank you for clarifying that for all our listeners, all our viewers who are watching the podcast on video. Okay, so we'll talk dating in our 30s. I'm going to just throw the question out there and let's riff back and forward. Mm-hmm. Do people like dating? Let's start even there, the basic. Is dating something that people like to do? I would say 80% no. I would agree. In my experience, yeah. Yeah, I would agree because I think that if you remove the label of a date, like if you just said to someone, do you like going and meeting an interesting new person and being in a nice coffee shop or in a bar or even out to a nice restaurant and just talking about yourself and getting to know someone, then they would probably say, no, that doesn't sound so bad unless you're an extreme introvert and the worst thing ever would be for you to imagine being in a social situation. But when we put the label of a date onto that, it takes a completely different definition, right? It just feels different. Yeah, well, there's it takes any of that like fluidity and lack of expectations and just connection away because the background of dating is the rejection, the wanting to meet somebody, the feeling the pressures of time, the you might have been on the apps for 10 years. If, you know, like I, I describe it a lot as a rat race. You know, people... And definitely my clients feel like they're on this hamster wheel. So it takes any of the joy away. And actually, I'd say the people that enjoy it the most, from my experience, haven't dated in a very long time. And there's a naivety. There's like a beautiful naivety to it. So actually, their first few dates can be really great. Or, you know, they've taken a break from the app. They've done some work on themselves. Then they come back to it. And again they enjoy sort of first few dates and then usually the ghost has come back in the you know the kind of that cycle of rejection starts again which makes it kind of a lot more mentally difficult yeah I I really agree with you I I was speaking to a friend about this the other day who recently got out of a very long-term relationship and she was saying oh my god I've just downloaded tinder and it's so fun and there's so many people there and like how amazing is it and I'm really looking forward to dating and yeah there's definitely that feeling of people who enjoy dating usually are people who like I said enjoy meeting new people and doing new fun things and getting out of their comfort zone and yes if you haven't been in the dating world for a long time and you've maybe recently gone through a breakup or you've just had a hiatus from dating for a while 
yeah, you you do enjoy it more for sure. And what came up for me when you were speaking before, it was, you said the word rat race. For me, it's like the interview, right? It's like dating. Mm. When dating feels like job interviews, that's the worst. It's that same feeling of going, being on show, being on display, like somebody's checking you, you don't know what's going to happen afterwards. And it's, it's intimidating. And then the worst part for me when I was dating was that when you finished the date, if you like them, knowing that, okay, now I've got to wait to hear. In the same way that when you have a good job interview, you have to wait to hear back if you got the job. So yeah, like when date, dates feel like job interviews, that's when I think they feel really heavy and, and even harder. But I even think that interview process starts before. Like I certainly remember it from, you know, even sort of six, seven years ago when I was single, the the back and the forth like the hey how are you how is your day what do you do for work you know because you're pretty much trying to qualify somebody before you've even got on the date and even that can feel like a very two-dimensional or is it one-dimensional whatever you know exchange where it's like you're trying to get through the niceties trying to you know be interesting and sparkling pa- pass the test Pass the test yeah. to get to yeah. the first round. That's the phone interview, right? It's the same thing. It's like the job. It's like, I need to pass the phone interview so I can meet in real life. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think let's give contacts for people who maybe haven't listened to us before or don't know. So in terms of, we're talking specifically about dating in your 30s. So I can speak for myself and say that I'm in a new-ish relationship. I've been saying new for a while and it's I guess it's, <laughs> it's not that new, but I have been out of the dating world for nine months and before that I was single for just over two years and dating actively dating actively for a majority of that time not all of that time and struggling with it with a history Mm -hmm. of enjoying dating that's what I would say I was single before that around seven years before that so from I'm now just about to turn 36 and I was single from the ages of 27 to just before my 30th birthday. So again, that was another two, three year stint of being single. And during that time, dating felt really different. And I think it was a different dating landscape, which I know is something we can speak about. And I had renewed energy for dating when I got out of the last relationship and was really looking forward to it and kind of very quite quickly came back to like earth. And... Now I'm in that space of reflecting on the time that I was single and looking back at how I treated dating and how I felt about dating. And it's very fresh. It feels very fresh for me. And I'm aware of the fact that maybe you can share this when you share your dating experience and where you are in your life right now. But it's starting to fade, like the stress and the anxiety and the annoyingness and frustrations of dating like the difficulty of dating is starting to fade and I think I want to be honest and say like it used to annoy me when I was single when people would give advice about dating and they hadn't been in the dating world especially if they were men I don't know why it would annoy me even more because it would be like (laughs) what does this man know about being a single 30 something year old woman dating with a biological clock hanging over Mm -hmm. her head and they've probably not dated. I, I remember listening to a podcast, Jay Shetty, adore him. He's like one of my favorite 
content creators. I love him. I love everything that he does. But he was did a podcast episode about how to date well. And he's like been with his amazing, beautiful wife since he was like in his early 20s. And I thought, Jay, babe, come on. When does the last time you went on a date and look how gorgeous you are and look how, you know, and I was literally like, no. So I want to go on. They met in like the most like beautiful way as well, didn't they? Like him and his wife, they were like family connections and stuff like that or something. There was definitely no dating app involved. Exactly. So when I see that, and I remember I used to get frustrated, (laughs) like, come on, like, what do you know? So I want to do a caveat here that like, yes. I, and also you are as well, Caitlin, we're in long-term relationships. So right now, specifically, we don't have to go on a date this weekend, right? It's not part of our monthly plan. And fingers crossed, it won't won't be part of our monthly plan again for the foreseeable future. (laughs) So I think that I want to really say that here is that I'm in this weird thing. I keep saying like I'm straddling being fully in a relationship. I I am fully in a relationship, but kind of there and forgetting and being out so out far away from the dating world that I forgot what it's like but also like these really, really fresh memories from even like nine months ago where I was in that frustrated place. So I definitely can see both sides. So I just wanted to introduce that and say like, that's my perspective and where I'm coming from. And I think (laughs) that in the period of being single, my last period of being single from the ages of 33 to 35, I think I went on like, I don't know, I want to go back and count, but I think I went on upwards of 50 dates maybe even like 70. So I don't know if that maybe just feels like a random figure that I've plucked out of the air because it felt like so much. So that's what I want to introduce to the listeners. And I want anyone to know that that's where I am because that will affect what you think of the things I have to say in the conversation. And let me throw it over to you and you can introduce your, where you are in your life right now and your dating experience. Mm -hmm. So I'm slightly differently as well. And I haven't actually dated in my 30s because my history was I was always single. So, you know, when you're saying you had those periods of being in a relationship, I was never, ever in a relationship. I think the I think the longest was like two months, three months with a break in between. So like a month here, a month there with the same person. Like there was no longevity at all. And so my first boyfriend was my husband who I met like, you know, I don't know how old it was, 27, something like that. So there was years and years and years and years and years of being single. So when I remember, I still remember that pain. I still remember that stress. I still remember like such vivid memories of like sitting on my floor crying, being like, when is it going to be my turn? Like I physically cannot do this again. So I think that's why I try never to underestimate the pain and the anxiety that comes with dating but you're a thousand percent right because I am one removed from it now so you're you know I can sit there with clients and I can talk about it to the cows come home and sometimes actually they just need the space to be like it's fucking shit and I'll be like yeah it really fucking is but I you're right I don't have to go on a date at the weekend either so there definitely is that kind of one step removed but when I started properly dating I guess would be around what like uni and that was only because tinder had come out and I remember my friend saying to me you've got a blackberry you need to get an iphone because there's this dating app and I was like I'm not getting a, I'm not getting an iphone iphone's a crap blackberry till I die and I'm not going on this dating app and obviously that broke 
got this phone and she was like, come on, come on, come on, download it, download it, download it. So my dating experience kicked off literally mm. with Tinder. So that wow. was like the, that was the world you were sort of born into, especially because I was in London. So my whole dating history was from the apps. And I would say as well, well, and you'd, you'd meet people on nights out and stuff. But as I said, there was, there was definitely no longevity in it. <laughs> but ironically, my husband didn't, didn't meet him on an app. So he was the only person that was a sort of a friend of a friend. And actually, I came off the apps however many months before we got together properly because I just I was like I just needed space from mm. it all you know mm. it had literally been what like let's say conservative started getting interested in boys at 15 you know obviously younger than that but let's you know let's say 15 to what 20 11 years 12 years of dating feeling like yeah. you needed somebody it's exhausting yeah and I think there's like a, what you're just saying about how you hadn't had a boyfriend before you hadn't had a relationship at 27 you know now we're in our 30s we look back and it's like oh 27 so young and I do think that like I know anyone listening even we're young but it's really hard to never have been in a relationship especially even in high school age when all your friends are you know in their first relationships and it's difficult like I was always the friend that was in a relationship like I was very like almost like a serial monogamous is that the word monogamous yeah I had a boyfriend when I was from 17 to 19 then another one from 19 to 22 and then I had a couple of years and another I've always had been on and off single and not single so I want to really like say that it's really hard for anyone listening. I get this a lot with clients that they come and they, you know, be in their 30s and have never had a relationship before. And that's a really difficult place to be in. So I just really wanted to say, I, I'm really happy you shared that as part of your journey and your story because that frustration and the one that we're talking about today, you know, that what I introduced, like, let's talk about for every woman in the, her 30s who's fed up of dating is very, very, very strong when you've been doing this without a break for a long time and even if that break is like a short relationship of two three four six months you know and yeah I just I think that having never met somebody until your late 20s is is difficult well yeah and I think it's it compounds the feeling like there's something wrong with you I felt so unlovable and for me, it wasn't getting the dates that was the problem. You know, at one point, I was probably going on three, four dates a week, like for months and months and years, like, as I said, exhausting. But it was the fact that then they wouldn't turn into something or you'd have like three dates or, you know, four dates and the ghosting would come or the rejection would come or, mm-hmm. you know, unsolicited dick pics, all that kind of crap that I know still goes on today. It was like when tinder basically i think started and everybody just behaved horribly on it probably now what is happening again today you know there was a lot of um treating people like they were disposable i think in those early app app stages because everybody was so excited about who else was on there so yeah there was just that real feeling like oh my god i'm not lovable enough for anybody to want to be with me long term or i'm not lovable enough like you know for to get that relationship what's wrong with me am i bad at relationships it wasn't the dating that i was bad at i was great first date great second date it was the stuff that came after that that i really struggled with yeah 
And I do want to say something, just this is just going back to us introducing our our dating, our dating resumes, let's say our dating CVs, is that we both have an insight into dating that even though right now I'm not going on dates and you've also not dated for X amount of time, you still day in, day out with your one-on-one clients or your group clients sit and hear about dating. So I think that you know more about, more than the average person about these frustrations that we're talking about. And so do I, because it's not just that we have personal experience, we have professional experience as well. Yeah. And I would say the things that come up on from going through dating apps again and again is I think it's difficult for people it really really is and I think looking for love can be one of the loneliest places to be so when you're working with a client and you know you're hearing about their experience it's so important to kind of validate what's going on and yes you can give the tips and you know they can look at things in a different way but actually sometimes at the end of the day you've just got to say don't date for a bit don't be on the apps. This is your, I'm giving you permission to have a break, to come off it. And that stepping away, the relief people feel when I say that to them is unbelievable. When when do you prescribe that? When do you prescribe, just stop, just stop what you're doing and just take a break? It can really be any time. I think if, if I can see somebody has been on that churn for months or for years, and they are so disheartened with the thought of meeting somebody because love is exciting, right? Finding love should be exciting. We should be so excited about it. We're shouting about it from the rooftop. It shouldn't feel like this horrible chore that's got to be done so you can get to the next stage in your life. Like I truly believe that, but unfortunately that's how it feels for most people. So when they're feeling like that, right from the beginning, we say take at least two months off. Or take the whole time that we're coaching together off. And what's the resistance to that? Do they have resistance to it? Usually no. Because they that's what they actually want to do. But they feel like if they don't do it, they're not going to meet somebody. So when you, by the coach, you saying, hey, I'm giving you permission to stop dating. It's like, oh my God. Because I'm asking this because I was recently sitting with a good friend of mine who wants to, who wants to meet somebody and she's on all the apps, every single mm-hmm. one, and is not having any luck on them. And it's just like slim pickings, no matches, annoying people, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And I advised her, not as a coach, as a friend, I just said, get off the apps, get yeah. off, delete them all, start fresh, have a few months off. This is what I did. I can share that. When I got yeah. really jaded by the apps, I just went off them and just put my focus, shifted it back to myself. And her resistance was, but if I don't, if I'm not on the apps, then it means that I'm not doing enough. And mm-hmm. and I said to her, you're doing more than enough. You're focusing on this part of your life. You're going to lots of different events. You're doing, she was like really going to retreats to meet new people and putting herself out there and, you know, asking, telling people that she's single and asking to be set up and, I was like, you're doing more than enough. And actually being on the apps, like we think that that's almost like a signal to the universe that you're doing the best possible thing. And what if it just is nothing to do with that? And I told her that and I'm really sad. And then it's been, I've been thinking about it ever since about dating burnout. You know, that's a really burnout mentality of I need to keep doing more. I need to keep doing more because you're almost just setting yourself up to be frazzled, to be exhausted. Yeah, Yeah. 
thousand percent. And also it's the same with our business, right? Like I had to really coach myself to take time off social media because I realized I was treating social media and posting the same way I used to treat being on the apps and dating. That that mentality of, oh my God, if I stop, I'm not going to get any clients or whatever it is. And we need to give ourselves that break. We need to give ourselves that space. And I think you get your sparkle back when you're off the apps. I've had so many people come off the apps and they go on a holiday and they have a holiday romance or, you know, one of my amazing clients, like she was walking down the street and somebody asked her out the other day, like you get that energy back, you get that like magnetism back. And I came off the apps as well. The first time in my life, well, since since they came out, I wasn't on them. And I felt so much more attractive. I had so much more hope. I had so much more, you know, you call it wearing like your sparkly pants. Like I just decided not to give a shit anymore. And that lack of, you know, forcing it and trying it and chasing it worked so much better for me. And I always say I would rather people spend the time rather than swiping mindlessly on the apps, being like, gotta meet somebody because I've reached 32. I'd rather they took that 20 minutes a day and did a meditation on about how excited they are to meet their person or joined a club or did whatever channel that energy elsewhere and get hopeful about it again and you'd be so surprised what comes back to you right because this friend because of her age was like I need to be doing more because more time Mm -hmm. is passing and it's going so quickly and then my response was but what's really going to change in the next two months? Seriously, if you just take a two-month break and delete everything and get your sparkle back, I love that, put your sparkly pants back on, what's really going to, if you zoom out on the biggest the bigger picture of your life, nothing will, nothing will happen. And I can right. say from personal experience that I had a rejection, a bad, I'll say quote, unquote, bad rejection because mm-hmm. it's obviously a great rejection because it was a huge redirection. But in July last year, after dating someone that I was into for a month, I got broken up with on a WhatsApp message. And I was like, done, done, done. I'm going to delete everything and just have like two months to myself. I don't think I put a time limit on it. I just said, that's it. And that was when I decided to freeze my eggs. And I remember that voice inside my head saying, no, Emma, you've just turned 35. Don't be silly. You need to go at it like gung ho. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, whether I meet someone when I'm 35 in two months or whether I meet someone when I'm 36 in two months or 37, it doesn't make that much of a difference right now. And well, I'm so happy I did it because I started my relationship within that like two months mm-hmm. after, basically. I didn't go back on the apps when I like before the relationship started. So yeah, like there's something very honorable to, I think, having the courage to, to get off the apps and say, yeah. I am doing enough. It's more than enough. I think that it's really interesting that your friend was talking about the doing because that's what I think we see so much in society. And I remember having the same mentality, right? It's like, if I work hard at, at my career, I'll get somewhere. If I do more, if I put more hours in, I'll like reach that point. Whereas when it comes to love and dating, it's hard, It's really hard to switch that mentality. Like it's, I think, I don't know, if it's women or if it's a certain personality type, but it was like, okay, what do I need to fix? What do I need to do? Mm. What's the next stage? How do I, how do I keep going? And actually 
as in any area of your life, sometimes we've got to step back and learn to receive and learn to trust and like do all that kind of slightly more flowy work. And do the mindset work. Sorry, mm-hmm. like I know it's really, we're just coaches, so we're annoying and people might be rolling their eyes, which you shouldn't be because you're listening to, you've chosen to listen to <laughs> a dating coach and a mindset coach. But the truth is, is that, yeah, it's not about the doing, it's about really bringing it back and going inwards and really like uncovering the blocks and honestly I've just recorded a separate podcast episode on this so I don't want to do any spoilers but I one year ago I wasn't ready for a relationship because I wasn't healed from my past relationship not that you have to be healed before you enter a new one just want to make that clear but I wasn't ready I was ready for a connection I was Mm -hmm. not ready for a physical relationship like for like a okay here let's form a partnership and it is about stop focusing so much on those actions because then you will get burnt out and focus on the things that you can control within you. And let's just say, talk for a minute about how it's luck. It really is. I feel like it's not spoken about enough. Like you can feel Mm. like you're doing all the right things, but just because you're doing it doesn't mean you then deserve the relationship. It's not like, okay, I'm going to do one plus one. It's like you were saying about work. It's like, if you work really hard, then you should get promoted. It's not like if you date really well, then you should get the relationship. It just is about luck as well. And sometimes people happen to walk into a shop and meet the love of their life. And sometimes it takes someone longer. And I just don't think that it's spoken about enough in the dating space of how much that luck plays a part of it and we can't change someone's luck like you know mm-hmm. yeah and I agree with the luck thing I think there is certainly an element of whether you want to call it luck fate whatever and yes you cannot control that you can't control the who the where the when or what they're going to look like or how tall they are but I do think there's an element that sometimes we take their approach that we've got to be on the apps like physically swiping doing all of that sort of stuff but actually we still walked out we still walk around with our head in our phone we still don't talk to strangers we still don't like, like actually focus on how we are when we're out and about which is where you are going to meet people we don't take the time to mm. you know take ourselves on that day or you know travel or whatever we don't take the time to be open when we're out and about so I think there's so much you can do like just join that dance class that you want to join and smile at people and make conversations because you never know who you're going to meet a new friend who might introduce you to somebody it's all about expansion and expanding your world I think I agree and something else is coming to mind and it's like maybe a bit like people will listen and be a bit like oh she's calling me out or feel a bit confronted but I've definitely been in this place that when you're single everything is about being single so like everything you do you like kind of pretend that you're doing it for yourself but really you're doing it because you want to meet men yeah so for example you'll be like oh I really want to like go to a maybe a dance class isn't a good example because probably not that many men will be in a dance class but I'm gonna do join a new co-working space or Mm. I'm gonna go on this like weekend festival thing and it's like you're setting yourself up if you're thinking constantly to do it because you're going to meet someone there to be yeah. in this space of like if you don't meet somebody there then it's like the weekend wasn't worth it like it's failed in a way like oh I really wanted to join this co-working space and then you get there and you're like oh there's no hot men here oh I've just wasted x amount of pounds on my membership 
And I really see that it's like a dating obsession. We have a dating exhaustion and we have dating obsession. And Mm -hmm. that's also really tiring. And I think that you really, to build on what you said, do the things that you want to do, but don't do them just to meet people. Don't do them just to meet the person that you want to date, whether, you know, no matter what gender it is. I think it's really important that we say that out loud because, you know, a lot of people pretend in a way that they want to like go on their self-development journey and they want to like do all these like new and exciting things, but really they're doing it because they think it will bring them closer to love, which is fine. It's fine to work on yourself to get you closer to love, but it's like you can't really bypass that middle part, which is to strengthen the relationship with yourself and to to just work on yourself. And I think from that as well, you're right, there is definitely a dating obsession, but I think it's more around letting go of the attachment to the outcome because it's the, well, you can't give to get, right? You can't do something and expect a result. You can't say you're going to give up your terrible relationship, but only if you get a new boyfriend in two weeks. You can't say you're going to stop dating unavailable partners, but only if you can guarantee that somebody's going to come along instantly and replace them. Mm. You know, we can't, it's that exchange, isn't it? And I think we're yeah. so used to like always needing something in return. And if that return doesn't look how we think or how we want, then it hasn't worked. And it's that very fixed mindset. Again, we're going back that's coaching, aren't we, in the mindset work. But it's. It, I do think it's interesting how kind of, and hey, look, I think as well, again, maybe this is where, you know, the coaching me or, or the naivety from not from not dating in a while comes in that it's easy to say this, but when you're in it, when you've been dating for years, I do understand the obsession. I do understand the like, ugh, why not me? I've tried the clubs. I've tried the apps. I've tried being open when I'm out and about and it's still not happening. Like, you know, what is going on? So I do understand how it can take over your mind especially if you do want marriage and kids and stuff. Oh, of course I can understand. And I've been there not that long ago. And I think that it's just, it's fair enough. And I think that you've said this a few times in the episode, like sometimes it is just about acknowledging the shitness of it. Like it is just about saying this is hard. The reality of dating is hard. The reality Mm -hmm. of dating apps specifically is difficult. And I think that there's nothing wrong with saying that because we're not here to tell people, oh, but just keep trying one more swipe, one more date, you know? Like there's not, and I say this a lot to clients, like it's not magic wand. It's not like I can come here and just like magic you the perfect relationship. Like it just, it can't, it won't be like that. I wish it was, I wish we could do it. But let's give a takeaway. Let's give every single person listening to this podcast permission to stop using the apps. Yeah. If it's detrimental to your mental health, to that obsession, to that burnout, stop. It's not going to make the difference if you meet somebody or not. It's not going to make the difference if you're dying alone, being eaten by Alsatians, whatever that Bridget Jones quote was, or not, okay? If yeah. it is detrimental, don't do it. And stay, if you want to date, if you want to continue to stay open, do that. But focus on different things, but people are moving away from the apps yeah yeah they are and I just want to say let's give everyone permission to put your sparkly pants back on and I think that can look like deleting the apps if the apps don't work for you staying on the apps if they do but Mm -hmm. really getting your like like your mojo back you know just like really coming back to yourself like that's really what 
we help women to do, right? You help women and specifically who are who are single looking to meet someone to get their spark back. I help women mm-hmm. who are stressing about their age and wanting to make big changes to get their sparkle back. And yeah, I love that. I love that analogy. And I think that it's really what will attract love in the end. Yeah, and look, you know, the chances are, right, if you want to meet somebody and you're proactively or at least you're open, you're going to meet somebody in your lifetime, right? It's going to happen. And I think that's the thing. It is like, it is is going to happen. And I'll tell you what it is that I can say, and I'm sure that many people listening will think this as well. When I was 35 and dating, it was like, I don't know, some people genuinely have mindsets and, and beliefs about themselves that they aren't going to meet somebody. So that's like a category of person who doesn't even yeah. know that they will eventually meet somebody. But I was in the category of, I know I'm going to meet somebody. I knew that I was. I was like, I've had relationships before. Of course, eventually I'm going to meet somebody. But it was the when. And that when like was really heavy. It really dictated me because I was like, okay, I'm 35 and I want to have a kid at some point. And I kind of felt like the deadline is like 40 in my mind. I was like, it might take me. And I said to myself and to the universe, I'm okay to not to not meet somebody until I'm like in my early 40s. I'm fine. And I said it. And I, and I think that's probably the, and that's when I froze my eggs. And that's the point when I think I actually was letting the relationship in because I got accepting and and almost like grateful about my single status and was like I'm happy to be alone at this point but that was the stress it it was very much like yeah like I know statistically speaking I will meet somebody but please I just wanted a crystal ball when 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 will it happen I just need to know the future and there was something very hard about letting go of knowing when it will come in what what do you think about that I completely agree I think if it wasn't the time pressure, and I do wonder if there wasn't the biological clock for women, would we have the same dating worries and the same dating mentality? Absolutely not. It would be completely different. Mm -hmm. And I know this for sure, because when I work with women, I often ask them that question. If I took away the biological clock issue and and I said, society is fine with the fact that you're single right now would you want to meet someone right now most of them say no most of them say I want to just get used to being like independent and being alone and loving my life and I want to solo travel and I want to open a business or get promoted and I don't actually really want to meet somebody so it comes Mm -hmm. it's so interesting to think about how many women specifically are out there trying to meet somebody because of this should or because of this this topic the fertility and it's it's one of the most frustrating things I think and it's kind of one of the biggest let's call it most unfair things about being a woman is that yes you can freeze your eggs and yes you can kind of safeguard your your sense in that way but if you do want kids it is kind of unfair isn't it so I was going to ask like do you think that men have the same dating experience as women I just want to say something about the freezing the eggs and the safeguarding and then I'll answer that question like you know freezing eggs it doesn't really safeguard like it is a security net it is like it definitely is an insurance policy to some degree but when you freeze your eggs I've done it so I'm an advocate Mm -hmm. for it but you don't know if those eggs are viable you don't know if your body is physically capable Mm -hmm. of holding a baby like you don't know that until you try to actually get pregnant so 
I think that it's not fair because as women, we can do all of the right things and take control of our fertility and try. But yeah, we still don't know until we start trying if a baby is possible. And I think that, it, yeah, it's not fair. Like it's hard. It just adds a layer on it that men will never understand. Now, the question of is dating different for men and women? Totally. Like I think that, again, it's a, it's those two things. It's the biological differences of a man being able to have children later. Although there, there, is, there are studies out more and more showing that male fertility does actually decline like more than we originally thought. And it is something that kind of almost society forgot because we see yeah. Robert De Niro and now, you know, now having a baby and he's like in his eighties, which is like on the news this week. And, you know, we know that people, men can physically have babies later. And I also think that society deems it okay for men to have younger girlfriends and for men to do things later. There's like, they're obviously very interconnected why it is like this, but it's like totally acceptable for a man if a man is 35 and single it's very rare that somebody would be like oh my god are you okay you ever going to be able to have children like you know time is ticking whereas Mm -hmm. if a woman's 35 and single her family members will be whispering behind her back saying that the people are worried about her and her potential as a a woman in the world so you know Leonardo DiCaprio getting all these 25 year old girlfriends like it's a thing like let's not even beat around the bush like it is acceptable for men to be single later and it is unacceptable for a woman to be in her late 30s and single because people will literally be like her value as a woman in the world is lower yeah and men reach 35 and it's like they're more of a catch because they're you know potentially more financially secure they've meant to be more mature all that kind of bullshit isn't it yeah and it's like I'm not saying all of this stuff to like really rile people up and (laughs) and leave everyone with a bad taste in their mouth but there's something here about really truly acknowledging this difference and I think we don't give men enough credit because dating is also hard for men let's just say that like the different pressures of dating and I think that also women and again really stereotyping and for everyone listening obviously we are really alluding to more hetero uh, relationships in the podcast male male female dynamic but usually women are better at like speaking and talking on dates and sharing and being vulnerable and opening up and being honest just again I know it it is a generalization but women have closer relationships with their friends and men are really able to kind of go to those depths a lot easier and most men struggle with that most men are more guarded most men find it harder to be vulnerable they're kind of the alpha male got to be the you know find it harder Mm -hmm. to show emotion So I think that men struggle with dating in a different way. Like I think they find it harder to actually be on the date themselves. What do you think about that? I totally agree. And I was actually, I can't remember what I was reading or listening to. And there's some sort of stat out there, which I'll try and find, where it's women are better daters because of all the reason you've said and you've discussed. And I do think that men kind of come definitely with their own hardships and their own issues because you've also got the finance bros of the world acting like dickheads with all that toxic toxic masculinity but then you also have the nice guys who are friend zoned a lot how many times have you gone out somebody said there's just no spark because they're too short or they're slightly more effeminate or you know there's whatever is going on so I I think there's there's so kind of many problems with both sides of it and but that being said I think that 
one of the key differences I think seeing men and women date differently and the guys I've worked with especially when women tend to date and I'm massively generalizing here but there there is a little bit more of okay I need them to choose me I need them to pick me because they have the upper hand so how can I get them to like me whereas and they kind of think that guys hold all the power so that changes the dynamic when we are dating so I think again that kind of makes it feel like there is the interview makes it feel like you've got to be on your best you know self makes it feel like all this stuff like you're performing fucking monkey and actually we could do so much more with taking back the power of who we are of how special we are of you know how we can show up on dates and embracing ourselves a little bit more to take us out of that mindset like if just even just for the date right you could leave the time pressures at home and that's what I always say, like, even just for, just for that two hour period, right? Forget about the fact that you've been hurt in the past. Forget about the the time. Forget about your dating history. And just remember who the fuck you are and how privileged somebody should be to sit there with you. Go in with that mindset. Yeah, wow, that's really good advice because it is true. That's dating in low self-worth is when we literally are waiting for somebody to pick us. It's like an audition and... Yeah, it's really hard. And I do agree with you. I think in general, it is women who feel like they need to be picked. It is. Men are doing the picking and women are, you know, waiting. And wow, I just feel like a huge sigh of relief thinking of like, imagine just going into a date and you're the one that's picking. Or it's just mutual, right? It's two people. It's almost like you've got to remind yourself, write a note in your phone and just before you go into the date and say to yourself, this is two people who are seeing if it's compatible. I'm not being picked and I'm not even picking them. We're just seeing if this could be a viable relationship. Do we have things in common? Do we have similar values? Do we have a similar sense of humor? Do we have, I don't even want to say a spark. Do we have basic chemistry, right? Is there some attraction there? And it's like, go in seeing it as a two-way decision and not a one person picking of the other. It makes it very different when you look at it like that. Yeah, it does. And, you know, again, this isn't, I'm not saying forget your past trauma and things like that, but I'm just saying for those two hours, remember that this is not about them picking you. Okay. And let's start from that mentality. And I think, I know we said we were going to mention this, but I think it's quite an interesting point to bring it in here. I do think that because, you know, everything we've just spoken about, it does make your blood boil right and you will have thousands of examples of where you know people have behaved like crap or you know you have been ghosted or you know nobody's called after you've slept with them or or people like Andrew Tate you know they describe ascribe to that kind of bullshit so I think there's also something we can do in that when and if we are open if we are dating we actually have to do a bit of work around healing our relationship with the people we want to be with right? Because a lot of the time, if I say, do you actually like men? Because it really doesn't sound like you do. And people are just like, yeah, I do. But also, no, no, I don't actually. (laughs) This is a huge point. And I want to personally share that it was a really big part of my journey. And I think that it's something that's very, very deep and subconscious. And it's very linked to our childhood. And it's very linked to our early experiences with men, with our fathers, with if we have brothers. And 
it's really important because I remember around a year and a half ago, I was a client with my man, with a, with a coach that I was working with, and we were talking about manifestation and manifesting love. And she mm-hmm. said to me, "Come up with all of the thoughts that you have about the resistance of finding love." And then it was just like, "Men are horrible. Men are going to hurt me. Men are going to abandon me. Men aren't vulnerable. Men don't have emotional emotional intelligence or emotional aware." And I like wrote this whole list out, and she was like literally looked at me and was like, Emma, like, do you really believe that you're going to manifest love when this is what you think of men? And I really set out to work on healing my relationship with men. And it's an Mm -hmm. ongoing process. It's an ongoing journey. It did not happen overnight. It came from things to do with family, like I said, childhood. And it's like the father wound. I really recommend to anybody who feels, you know, any of these things to really go and research it. I was very active in reading about it in the holistic psychologist. She writes a lot about the mother wound and the father wound. And wow, it was a really important part of my journey because I had this perception that all men were going to abandon. And I also had a perception that men weren't able to be to be deep enough for me. So I kind of like had it in my head that almost like I was like objectifying men. It was like, I've got my amazing deep friendships and my amazing women who are surrounding me these amazing the sisterhood that I've got but men are just like you know like I'll have a relationship with someone I've had four really long-term serious relationships in my life and I've got to good levels but I've never managed to create that depth of a relationship that I've had with my best friends and it's so funny how I see it now the work coming out and coming through because my boyfriend now is such a healing relationship because we he is we're as close as I would ever be with any of my female friends, if not more. And he has that emotional depth and the ability to do that. But mm. I only managed to find that relationship or let that relationship in because I believed it was possible before I didn't believe it was possible. Yeah. And I think that, thank you for sharing that. That's so beautiful. And I totally agree. I think even when I was doing the work, when did I start with that? Like eight years ago or something seven years ago and a lot of it was even looking at kind of how I was colluding with people about men like what language was I using what kind of unspoken agreements like did I have with my mum calling all men pigs you know growing up in that environment like there's so much now isn't there on social media like calling all men trash and whereas yes some of them are let's call a spade a spade some of them are just hideous pigs we can't let that cloud the fact that there are amazing people out there so and I think sometimes with with clients like or with with what I see is even if it doesn't go as far as childhood even if you've had amazing male role models in your life even if you've got amazing brothers amazing male friends I think if you've had a period of 12 years where you've been disappointed by people on dating apps and bad behavior that is also going to massively cloud your vision you know a belief becomes a belief when you think it enough right what's that like a thought becomes a belief when you think of it so i agree if, if you are listening to this and when i say what do you think of men and you go that's where you start and it doesn't have to be you don't have to go back and you know look at childhood if you don't want to if you're not there yet or if you don't think that's part of your story I highly recommend everybody does just because you know I think it's amazing but look at what you're noticing on a day-to-day basis build yourself a new bank of evidence of of good 
guys of good acts from men of good role models out there of good examples of love you know go and look for that and they are there they really are and I even want to expand on that and say if you think about love and you go oh and you think about age and meeting someone in biological clocks and you go oh because you're fed up and you're exhausted and you're burnt out like start there because I remember again it was to was back a year ago sitting with a friend and saying I was like bitching about somebody who met someone and I've spoken about this on the podcast before maybe even with you and I was bitching about somebody who had like kind of very quickly gotten into a new relationship and already done those timelines and I was a bit like kind of rolling my eyes at it and then she called me out and it's so true I was like god I've become cynical and that was also like a very big like a a milestone in my journey of meeting somebody to heal that cynicism because if you feel like you dislike the opposite sex and you really dislike not dislike but you genuinely don't believe and feel lots of negative thoughts towards even being in a relationship which by the way can happen if we're in toxic relationships in the past and then we come out of them it also happens that we can associate relationships with feeling negative or feeling like for me it was like a lot about being in a relationship almost like brought up that I would be like a smaller version of myself or like an unaligned version of myself. And that needed to be healed and that needed to be addressed and that needed to be discussed. So yeah, it's almost like make a list, do the list. That's homework for everyone. The list that I said of like, even like put at the top of the page, looking for love and then write all the thoughts out and look at all those negative thoughts and then go from there. Yeah. And I, and I always think, right, when when we're dating, when we're looking for love, as I said, it should be the most exciting, magical, wonderful thing. But it's also terrifying because it, it requires vulnerability. There might be rejection in there. It requires letting go. It requires becoming a new or an, or an evolved version of yourself. And I remember there was so much kind of like grieving I almost had to do when I really went through the process of like, okay, I am serious about love I do I do want to be in a relationship like almost just admitting that was was a huge step for me but I remember I had to like grieve the idea that I was leaving like the party single person behind I had to grieve the idea that it was just me that independence that I built up like would have to lessen a little bit you know all those things like that you have to kind of grieve and let go of that we don't really ever acknowledge because we're just on autopilot of being like yeah yeah of course I want to be in a relationship Right. And this is going back to what I said before that I think I was really ready a year ago to have a connection, but I wasn't ready to for this, for the relationship and to grieve the past versions. And it's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> Maybe we'll do part three. We've really gone off topic now, haven't we? <laughs> but about getting into a new relationship in your 30s, I think is different in your 20s because I have been in a in in a, also in a really exciting new relationship bubble, but also grieving the past versions of myself and that were very and still are very important to me so amazing topic but I think we'll have to be here for more hours if we're going to dive into it but I fully agree with you and I think that it's also something to address like another reality of dating to address is that finding love will call from you to do things that you probably didn't see on a rom-com amazing as ever as always it has been such a pleasure to host you I love our conversations and I hope that we will keep having them and I would just love if you share with the listeners where they can learn more about you and the wonderful work that you do 
Of course. So you can usually find me on Instagram, which is the .compatibility.coach. All my info is on there. And of course, I work with clients one-to-one. Who do you want to bring the magic back to love and dating and rediscovering themselves and things like that, which is what I my heart sings about. I also run groups, have a podcast called All About Love with a fellow coach called Carly, who's a friend of mine and Emma's. And yeah, otherwise there's my website, which is www.thecompatibilitycoach.co.uk. I am trying to be on TikTok and YouTube, but who's got the time? I know, TikTok. Let's not talk about TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much. And I will see everybody on the podcast next week. 